grieving. Some families will be lost to one another forever. To those of you who face the difficulties of reconnecting with family and establishing ongoing relationships, we say sorry. We offer this apology in the hope that it will assist your healing and in order to shine a light on a dark period of our nation's history. To those who have fought for the truth to be heard, we hear you now. You're listening to Adopt Perspective, a podcast for anyone affected by adoption. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Sparrow. This podcast is a production of Jigsaw Queensland Post-Adoption Support Service. However, the views expressed are those of the people participating, not necessarily Jigsaw Queensland. The podcast discusses adult themes and listener discretion is advised. This is Jane and today the focus of the podcast episode is going to be on integrated birth certificates. I'm going to be having a conversation with Nikki Hartman who works for Relationships Australia South Australia and is the manager of three different adoption services. Nikki manages South Australia's forced adoption support service which is the counterpart to the service provided by Jigsaw Queensland, a federally funded service as well as managing the state-funded post-adoption support service in South Australia. And since July, Nikki has also been managing the inter-country adoptee and family support service, which is a national service. Whilst Nikki is based in Adelaide, I've had the privilege of working with her on various projects and attending meetings together over the years with other post-adoption support service providers from around the country. I respect Nikki's knowledge and experience so much, and I'm thrilled that she can be joining us today to talk about a topic that we both consider to be very important. Welcome to the podcast, Nikki. Thanks, Jane. I'm really um, excited to be talking about this subject as well, um, because it's been a long time coming, um, Mm. and I think it's really, really important. So um, I'm pleased that we're chatting about it today. Me too. And I'm glad that you can be here to talk about it with us because I know South Australia's got a lot of experience with this, which we'll get to. Uh, But first of all, I thought it might be good just to actually outline what an integrated birth certificate is for those who don't know. Um, And I will mention that um, the notion of an integrated birth certificate was a recommendation that came out of the Senate inquiry and the 2013 Apology for Forced Adoptions and the Associated Recommendations. So what can you tell us about what an integrated birth certificate is? So an integrated birth certificate is a birth certificate that includes um, both an adopted person's parents at birth, which is um, commonly known as birth parents, and their legal parents after an adoption has occurred Uh, which is uh, commonly known as the adoptive parents. The certificate also includes the adoptee's name at birth and also the name that their adoptive parents gave them at the time of the adoption, which then goes on to become their current legal name. Um, And then, of course, unless someone um, gets married and changes their name, um, then that married name becomes their legal name. But the important thing about the integrated uh, birth certificates is that it includes the um, birth history as well as the adoption history. If either of the, if either the birth parents or the adoptive parents had other children 
before the birth and the adoption went through, the names of those siblings will also be listed on the adopted person's integrated birth certificate. And there will also be a note which acknowledges that the adopted person was adopted pursuant to the particular adoption acts and on a particular date that the adoption went through. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for explaining all of that. Um, we did have a question recently about whether this integrated birth certificate does actually state the date the adoption happened, um, and they do seem to include that, which is probably quite useful for some adoptees that might, if, if they weren't adopted as an infant, um, that can actually, I think, be quite helpful. Um, I will mention straight up that at this point in time, only two states of Australia have introduced legislation that allows for integrated birth certificates to be created. These are South Australia, which was the first state, um, and probably I'm thinking it may well have been the first place in the world, at least where plenary adoption exists, to introduce um, these birth certificates. Uh, and the only other state so far is New South Wales, who introduced them last year in November 2020. Uh, Western Australia does have the option of printing an amended, so the legal post-adoption birth certificate on one side of a piece of paper, and then having the original birth certificate uh, on the back of the page. However, in my mind, this wouldn't really be considered a true integrated birth certificate because the, the um, original birth certificate on the back of the page is still stamped not to be used for official purposes, which um, some people sort of up, that ups can upset people. Um, you've kindly sent me a copy of a South Australian integrated birth certificate to have a look at. And I've also seen a copy of a New South Wales integrated birth certificate. And I must admit the New South Wales certificate would be my preferred option if um, these certificates were to be legislated in Queensland. For me, the format just looks more official and is a bit clearer. Um, it also provides an equal overview of both sets of parents. Um, so there are separate columns. Uh, one says parents before adoption and the other says parents after adoption. And it includes sort of everything about those parents, their occupation, um, as you mentioned, siblings, and also the change of name for the actual adopted person. Um, it also has a very clear heading for what, for the sort of post-adoption identity that says this is the person's legal identity. So it's very clear. Um, and also for me, having the equal overview of both parents, including all the details, um, is probably the healthiest option because psychologically, um, I think the reality is that an adoptee does have two sets of parents um, and knowledge of an integration of this as early as possible is ideal. So I'm wondering, just said a lot, I'm wondering any thoughts you might have about what an integrated birth certificate means for an adopted person in both a practical and an emotional sense, um, and as well as any good news stories that you might have about people in your state who have actually obtained one of these certificates. Yeah. Look, I think um, it's important to note that, um, First of all, that an integrated birth certificate does not change the adopted person's legal parentage. So adoption as a process is a legal process um, which severs a legal tie that the, of the adoptee to their birth parents and then creates the legal tie 
to the adoptive parents. So an integrated birth certificate doesn't change that legal documentation. Um, mm. The adoptive parents remain the legal parents and the name that they gave the adoptee remains the adopted person's legal name. But the adoptee's connection and relationship with their birth parents is also included to maintain a true and accurate record of that birth person's birth and origins. Mm. Of course, an adoptee can seek to legally change their name at any time as an adult if they wish to, um, but that's through a different um, birth, death and marriages process. And some people do choose to do this. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of um, what a, uh, like a, what it gives to an adopted person is a sense of, yes, this is the, the true and accurate record of my birth. So a lot of adoptees yeah. have said that they felt like uh, their birth certificate or their legal birth certificate with their mm -hmm. adoptive parent's name on it is a fraudulent document because mm -hmm. it's not actually the history of their birth. So mm -hmm. the birth certificate that they have shows the history of their adoption but without the birth information, it doesn't actually show their birth history. Mm. Um, and so that's caused, um, you know, a lot of conversations over the years. So I think for um, adoptees, having a birth certificate that that is true and accurate is really, really important. Yeah, that's great, Nikki, because, you know, I'm not sure about other states, but actually in Queensland, obviously, I'm an adopted person, so I have these two certificates and the legal certificate, so my post-adoption birth certificate in inverted commas, doesn't actually even say birth certificate on it. It's just mm. like a table that looks a bit like a birth certificate. So um, I think, you know, again, I'm not sure about other states, but I think that's another sort of reason to maybe be able to have these documents. It will actually say it's a birth certificate. Um, and as you say, it's just a true representation of history of the series of events that led to this becoming the person's legal identity and legal parents. Um, I remember when I was about 13, seeing my birth certificate <laughs> for the first time when my adoptive parents were applying for a passport for me. And I was really shocked. Even at that age, I was really confused um, at how this could be referred to as a birth certificate when mm. I knew these parents had not given birth to me. And it doesn't even contain the same details of a birth certificate, like what hospital you were born at, for example. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a, a lot of reasons why this would be helpful. Um, so to understand what this might actually mean in practice, I want to run a few scenarios by you since you've got this experience in South Australia. They were you know, legislated there in 2016. So that's a bit of time to be able to see different scenarios play out. Yep. So if an adopted person in South Australia is to apply for an integrated birth certificate, what does that mean if they already have a copy of their post-adoption birth certificate or their amended birth certificate in their possession? So uh, an adopted person can retain their post-adoption birth certificate and use that interchangeably with the integrated birth certificate. So um, the integrated birth certificate doesn't cancel out the other post-adoption birth certificate. Both of them become um, or both of them are 
legal documents and they can be used interchangeably. Um, it's recommended that when um, presenting their birth certificate as an identity document, that adoptees actually take along both of their um, birth, both of their legal birth certificates, which is the post-adoption one and the integrated one, mm -hmm. to avoid any confusion for people in the general public who might not have ever seen, likely not seen an integrated birth certificate mm -hmm. and may not understand what that's about because um, in the general public, people don't really get what adoption is when we're talking about it at this level around birth certificates. So, and because birth certificates are used um, as an identity document, um, yeah. people who are unfamiliar with the processes um, may not um, understand the validity of it as a legal identity document. So I would recommend that people take along both when they're using it for um, an identity document. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, I can see why that would be necessary because, yeah, talk, speaking to the average person, they have no idea what adoption even means generally in terms of the change of legal parentage, um, let alone looking at an actual identity document. I must say, looking at the New South Wales certificate, as I said, it seems to be labelled a bit more clearly and it may cause a bit less confusion, but I think given this is such a new phenomenon, for, for many years to come, it may unfortunately be necessary to carry both certificates or, of course, make a choice, um, which, yes, I think is my next question, actually. Um, does the amended birth certificate remain valid legally? Well, you've already said yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Does the adopted person have a choice over which they choose to present, um, not just in any given instance, but into the future? Um, do they have to make a choice about which certificate they want to stick with or can they just in any given mm -hmm. instance say, oh, today I want to use my integrated, tomorrow I want to use my amended, depending on who the audience is? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they can um, they can continue to use either one interchangeably yeah. forever um, because they both remain a legal document until yeah. you know, such time as they're superseded by something else. Yeah. Um, I think it's really important for adoptees to have the choice of which one to use. And, you know, we hear, um, and I've certainly heard over the years, um, adoptees talking about, um, how much of a lack of choice they had in a lot of things mm. that happened for them and to them. And so um, we need to be able to be um, responsive to what um, they're saying about that need to have some mm. choice. So um, there will be times where um, they may want to, they may choose to not use the integrated birth mm. certificate because in doing so it's, it's, telling the person who they're showing it to about mm. their history. And for some adoptees, they may not want to do that in every circumstance. And for mm. other adoptees, yeah. they may feel okay about always doing that and, and might feel okay about always having to explain what it means because I'm sure that um, because this is a new thing, I'm sure that when people are using it, someone's going to look at it and go, oh, I don't really understand what this is. So it puts mm. the adopted person in the position of having to 
explain yeah. their their life and their origins. Yeah. And so for some people, they'll be okay about doing that. And for other people, they won't want to do that at all. And some people might be happy about doing it sometimes and not mm. want to do it at others. So I think yeah. the really good thing about having the two documents is it gives the adopted person the choice of what to use when. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know if we've already said this, but I guess the other thing is if somebody doesn't even want to apply for an integrated birth certificate, they don't have to. They can keep using their amended birth certificate for the rest of their life. Um, If they want to go through in those states where it's allowed, they want to go through, they can get an integrated birth certificate. And then, as you say, there's choice then from then on. Um, and I've heard in sort of therapeutic settings, I'm sure there's a particular person who said this and I can't quote them because I don't know who it is, but um, for adopted people, and this applies to children that are adopted as well at a young age, mm. um, you've got to decide whoever you're dealing with, whether that's a stranger in a post office or a new friend or, mm. you know, even a family member, do you want to give them the 30-second version? I think it's a 30-second, like the three-minute or the three-hour version of your story. And yeah. you don't have to give the three-hour version to everybody to me that would be people you trust or people that show respect or show that they want to understand um, what this means to you. So, yeah, people might say, I don't want to go to the post office and have to explain to them about this, um, which is valid. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Again, on a practical note, um, and I think this is a really key issue when it comes to sort of policymakers or those responsible for legislation who are considering introducing this in other states. So the Queensland Adoption Act is going to be reviewed later this year routinely. Um, And integrated birth certificates look like they're going to be considered at least. Um, However, this is a a complex issue because, you know, the Adoption Act interacts with the Birth, Deaths and Marriage Act um, and maybe other acts sometimes like the Privacy Act. And... um, all of those sort of have to work together. Um, And if, for example, an adoptive parent is not entitled to apply for the names of their child's birth parents until the, you know, that's a child's right after they reach 18, the introduction of integrated birth certificates has ramifications um, and decisions have to be made about who can apply for them and when. So, um, you know, given, again, that there's, this has existed for some time in South Australia. I was wondering if you can tell us a bit more about who can apply for an integrated birth certificate in in your state. So um, any adult adoptee Mm -hmm. in South Australia can obtain an integrated birth certificate through the application process at Birth Test Marriages. That's any um, adult whose adoption took place through the South Australian um, Department. So, mm-hmm. um, because it's the uh, because everything is state by state, um, yeah. it's not just if someone's residing in South Australia. Yeah. It's around where they um, were born and where their adoption took place. Mm-hmm. So, for those that are under the age of eighteen again, in South Australia, if both sets of parents agree at the time the adoption order is made, um, if they both agree for an integrated birth certificate, 
then one can be created and released at that time. Um, The adoptive parents would also have a copy of the amended uh, post-adoption birth certificate that's not the integrated one. So they would still have two birth certificates Mm -hmm. to use interchangeably and both the legal documents. Um, Adoptive parents should be encouraged to talk to and give their child as much choice as possible um, at an age-appropriate stage um, as it's the child's information about their adoption history Mm -hmm. that's being shared. So um, adoptive parents should be um, communicating with their children about what that means and what that means in regards to privacy um, and confidentiality, but also doing that in a way that doesn't, of course, make the child feel like there's any shame or secret about mm. being adopted. So it's around um, how much we give the child um, some choice in information that's shared about them. Um, yeah. yeah, and that's really, really important. So if there's no agreement between the birth parents and adoptive parents at the time of the adoption order, then the adoptive parents will only get the uh, post-adoption birth certificate that lists them as the legal parents. Um, And then once that child reaches an adult, um, they can then apply for an integrated um, birth uh, birth certificate themselves. So, yeah, that makes yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and and especially the point around parents, you know, with with adopted people under eighteen, parents working with the child to understand what it means, and again to give as much choice as possible about yeah what it means because it's a legal practical document, but it's also probably quite meaningful in terms of yeah. identity, um, and again yeah. those conversations about who they share what with. Um, which I know adoptive parents have to have with their children anyway in terms of school and and kids can be, you know, nasty or that sometimes there's bullying. Um, So knowing how to respond to those things and who they want to share what with and how to deal with difficulties that come up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it also allows adopted parents to um, be having conversations with their children right from a young age about the the child's first family and and other family and the the importance of that connection because we know that uh from what adoptees adult adoptees tell us and and young adoptees Mm. tell us is that it is really important for that history to be acknowledged and we know a lot more about that nowadays than what we used Mm. to you know 20 years ago and we know how important it is in talking to kids openly about adoption and this becomes part of that conversation so you know so that it's not seen as something to be ashamed of like like adoption is part of your story and what that means that you also have some other parents so yeah yeah. and I would hope um, I would hope that the creation of this document helps I would hope that it's a positive in terms of as you say reducing any shame because in a way it sort of legitimises it that it's all on this one page. Um, yeah. It's real, it happened, but it's not, it's not a secret. Um, 
yeah, it's integrated. <laughs> so I yeah, hope it that's integrates right. more than just a document, but an identity and conversations. Yeah. 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 Um, and I have conducted some research into the eligibility and rules in New South Wales because, of course, each state is going to have to sometimes have slightly different rules because their legislation is different. So it seems that for under-18s in New South Wales, an integrated birth certificate will be automatically issued um, alongside an amended birth certificate in the spirit of open adoption, which has existed for quite some time in that state. Um, for adoptions that occurred pre-2010, um, the equivalent of Queensland's authority form, so that's something that's issued from the adoption department, um, needs to be issued. So people have to apply to that department first if they're an adult adoptee, say, um, and they'll then get that form which they can take to birth, deaths and marriages to be issued with an integrated birth certificate. And actually both adopted people and mothers and fathers, the birth parents, can apply for an integrated birth certificate once the adopted person reaches adulthood. Um, practically speaking, Nikki, in South Australia, how does someone actually apply to, to receive an integrated birth certificate if they're eligible? So first of all, they would have to get their adoption file, which mm -hmm. would have uh, a document in there, which is called an authorisation document mm -hmm. um, or an identifying information statement, which okay. they then take that two births, deaths and marriages, mm -hmm. and that statement just confirms that that person is adopted and has their information in it because that then connects with the information at births, deaths and marriages. Mm -hmm. um, they have to physically go into the births, deaths and marriages office, whereas in New South Wales it can be done online. Mm -hmm. um, I think it would be good if in mm -hmm. South Australia it could also move to an online process mm -hmm. because... Um, I'm sure there'll be some people that would appreciate the added privacy that an online mm, process can give. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, it would just, you know, need to be done in a simplified form so that it's not made uh, complicated for people. But, um, yeah, it would be good if they mm. could have that added um, privacy of doing it yeah. online if they don't want to have to go into an office and explain what they want to someone who may not, be understanding of it yeah because um, even and, staff at BDM aren't always yeah, up on the latest yeah yeah that's right so um but but yeah that's basically what they need to do first is is yeah. have the information that they need from their adoption file and then go into birth test marriages and make an application I'm also thinking, Nikki, you know, not everyone lives in Adelaide. I was in um, mm. Cooperpedia a few years ago, and that is a long way from Adelaide. <laughs> so yeah. um, that might be yeah. another thing. Yeah. You know, it might be difficult for some people. Yeah. I think in that case they'd have to yeah. be it by post. Um, uh, yeah, it's okay. the same as when people um, in South Australia are making an application for their pre-adoption birth certificate okay. um, they can't do it online so they have right. to send in their documents that then have to also be um, mm. cited by a JP just yeah, confirming okay. that they're the right documents and stuff so yeah there'll have to be a process mm. like that because yes but, yeah is indeed a long <laughs> way away from the birth as a marriage yeah office. I yeah. guess those people would need to ring in and and yeah. they go, you know, try to get answers to yeah. what's the best process. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
and what about inter-country adoptees? Can they apply for, you know, if, if their adoption was actually, um, the adoption order happened in South Australia, but they are an inter-country adoptee, um, what options have they got in terms of integrated birth certificates? They can also apply for an integrated mm -hmm. birth certificate, but the information that goes on it um, mm. will rely on the information that's available in their adoption file. And sadly mm. for um, many in-country adoptees, this information can be really limited. Um, we, in some countries where um, inter-country adoptees are born, they don't have the same record-keeping mm. um, systems that we have here and that we're used to. So yeah. um, sometimes adoption files have got a lot of um, blanks on them. Mm. And so in regards to then having an integrated birth certificate, if they don't actually have the names of their um, birth parent or parents um, in the adoption file, then it can't go onto the integrated birth certificate, in which case it will just be left blank. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, for many adoptees, is um, can be really quite triggering um, mm. because they adoptees are often missing some vital pieces of information about their history. And so mm. when they get their adoption file um, and sometimes information is just left blank or it's been very obviously redacted, um, it's a it's a real emotional reminder about mm. the lack of information they have about themselves and and mm. how they came to be in the world. So, seeing that on a identity document um, where there's just blanks, and then if they're presenting mm. it as an identity document somewhere, and someone's asking them, "Oh, you know, what's this about? Um, mm. Why isn't there any any?" Mm. any it could be, you know, again, another one of those really difficult conversations that an adoptee needs to have. So um, whilst, yeah. yes, it's absolutely possible, um, it does have some limitations based on the mm. information that yeah. is available to populate the birth family uh, information. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, it's definitely possible as well. Yeah. And, and actually that is something, well, two points actually I've got in relation to that. Um, I was speaking to an adopted parent recently who has a inter-country um, adopted child who's now an adult, adopted person. And, um, and that point we mentioned earlier, um, even though I think that would be quite awful in many ways to be issued with a certificate that has blanks on it, um, one thing that they were quite keen to have is what we mentioned earlier at least to have something that says this is the date the adoption order was issued and they do maybe did have a previous name themselves um, and sometimes just something like that in a practical sense might be still quite useful yeah um, but the other point which I don't think we've mentioned um, so far is again for any adopted person um, these the integrated birth certificate can is limited by what is already on the original birth certificate. So a lot of adoptees, probably the majority, a big majority, um, will not have a father's name on their original birth certificate unless they've retrospectively had it added. So for me, I don't have a father's name on my original birth certificate, even though my, my birth parents are now married and I have a relationship with my birth father. So 
if I was ever, if it was ever legalised in Queensland and I was going to apply for one, I would want the first step to be actually having his name added, which is possible. It's a process and the process is different in every state and then apply for an integrated birth certificate because um, it wouldn't be much. I would not be satisfied and I think I'd find it quite unpleasant to, to be issued with an integrated birth certificate that has a blank. So just thought I'd mention that as well, actually, that that's something in those states that already have integrated birth certificates to be mindful of. So it might be worth, um, you know, contacting either the forced adoption support service in your state um, for for Nikki's, for RA in South Australia, they have both the state funded and the forced adoption support service. So that's handy. Um, in New South Wales, where there are integrated birth certificates, you can contact the forced adoption support service um, or the post-adoption resource centre, which is the state funded service with the Benevolent Society. Um, and in other states, you know, you can still ring and ask questions. Just keep in mind, these certificates are not possible yet. So, um, there are issues to work through. So I think it's good to have support. And then, of course, as we've said, um, also go to the to department in that state. Um, often that's the first step anyway in getting the forms and the authorisation you need to then apply to birth, deaths and marriages. Um, so we do have the forced adoption number at the end of every episode, but I'll say it again just <laughs> to be clear. It's one 800 I just wonder if there's anything you'd like to add, Nikki, or we're just really grateful for your time today. Well, look, I I think that, um, like, adoptees have been telling us for a really long time about the importance of a birth certificate and, like I said before, that it should be a true and accurate reflection of their birth. And they've talked to me and my team and, you know, Jane, I know you and your team and we've had conversations and we've had national workers meetings mm -hmm. about these mm -hmm. things. Like it's such a universal theme that this is really important for their sense of identity, um, belonging and connection to their own history and, and mm -hmm. their own kin and culture. So I really hope to see that um, all the states and territories across Australia mm -hmm. respond to this by making integrated birth certificates possible and making the process as easy as possible for these mm. because um, we adoptees have been telling us for long enough and it's really important that we, um, that we support integrated birth certificates mm. everywhere. Nikki, I do have another question, which is, um, you know, when they were legislated in South Australia, how, how did that actually come about? Um, did you and your service have any, I guess, contribution to that or, or how did that play out? It's following on from the National Senate inquiry as okay. well. And then yeah. um, in 2015, um, Australia had, uh, sorry, South Australia had, um, uh, we're looking at their Adoption Act here to make mm -hmm. some changes to the Adoption Act. Um, yep. And it came up in those conversations with the okay. community about that as well. Uh, yeah. And birth, death, marriages have been um, slowly working on it with um, mm. the department to the point where we, um, you know, were able in this state to get to the point of making that yeah. possible. So, you know, it's really, really exciting. You know, yeah. and it's it's not that every adoptee has to take it up, but it's that yeah. the options there, and that's really important for people. Yeah. 
having options very important. As you said earlier, when people haven't had choices uh, in the past or when yeah. they've sort of been acted upon by government processes, to have choices um, yeah. is really the main thing and people can yeah. make their individual decisions about what's best for them. Yep. And yeah. I should add one more thing as well, Jane. Yes, yeah. <laughs> we always have much longer conversations, but about birth fathers. Um, yeah. So here in South Australia, it was um, quite a common practice in historical ad- adoptions and what we talk about from the forced adoption time mm-hmm. um, in how the, the, you know, and how the forced adoption support service, for example, states the forced adoption era um, in that the names of birth fathers weren't actually recorded here. So I know in some states the names of birth fathers were recorded but not Mm. released the adoption information here. Mm. Um, The names of birth fathers weren't, generally speaking, weren't even recorded anywhere with the adoption. So Mm. um, it's an added layer of complexity to try and get a birth father's name added to an adoption, Mm. graded adoption birth certificate because um, the only way that people will find out the names of their birth fathers is if they are making some contact with their birth mother or yep. nowadays they're doing DNA testing um, yeah. or if there's been some other um, system in the department where, for example, if a birth father was making um, maintenance payments mm. for, mm. for the birth mum while she was um, staying somewhere, then mm-hmm. then they've been able to match that up with the name of a birth father. Yeah. But um, yeah. generally speaking, um, the names weren't recorded, which mm. is um, really sad because the yeah. information about birth mothers is uh, birth fathers is just as important for yeah. um, people who've been adopted. So, do you yeah. happen to know, Nikki, um, whether there is any option at all, um, given all of that, um, whether there's any possibility of having names added so for example in Queensland I think the two things are um, if if all parties you know are willing to sign the mother the father the adopted person and say yes this is the father and we want Mm -hmm. him on the birth certificate it's an option the other option is I think um, I know this is definitely an option in New South Wales is DNA test you know but actual not just ancestry DNA an actual lab DNA test, father and child. Yeah. Um, so have you heard any stories at all where a father's name has been able to be added to a certificate? Yeah, there has. And I okay. think um, they did it through signing a stat deck um, yeah. because they were in contact with each other. But I think... Mm. Um, other ways that it has to be done is through um, similar to what you said, like a court mm. admissible mm. Yeah, DNA testing. Which are quite so expensive. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you know, yeah. So ancestry doesn't do that. So a court no. admissible DNA yeah. has to be has to have the willingness of both participants. Yes, of course. Um, yeah. As well. So yeah. um, that can make things a little tricky. Yes. Nice when there's options, but obviously yeah. very difficult. Um, sometimes it's it's not an option because someone's passed away or, or yeah. someone's not agreeable. Um, 
So it's case by case. But case by case, yeah. yeah. Complex, but nice when there's an option there to pursue if possible. So Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much, Nikki. Um, like you, I just, I'm really hoping that given that it was a recommendation, um, you know, that came out of the National Apology and the recommendations, I'd just really love to see this be an option in as many states as possible. So as the forced adoption support service, when we have our national meetings, we'll keep working on it and we'll keep discussing it and doing yeah. what we need to do to keep the conversation going. Definitely. It's been great to chat about it today, Jane. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Adopt Perspective podcast. If you'd like to find out more, go to the podcast page on www.jigsawqueensland.com and you'll find a wealth of information and resources on the website. If you reside in Queensland, you can reach Jigsaw Queensland's Forced Adoption Support Service on toll-free 1800 21 0313 or you can call Jigsaw on 07 If you live in another state of Australia you can still call the Forced Adoption Support Service number and your call will be answered by the Forced Adoption Support Service in the state that you're calling from. In every other state Relationships Australia operates this service. A big thank you to Matt Sparrow for composing and recording our original theme music. Until next time, I'm Joe Sparrow saying farewell from Adopt Perspective, a podcast for anyone affected by adoption.